Welcome to Energy Matters with Robin Berlinski. That's me. And this is the show that highlights and celebrates the champions who use their positive energy to change the world because your energy really does matter. Follow me on Instagram at Robin underscore Berlinski for fun giveaways and tips to transform your energy from scarcity to abundance. Today, I'm so excited. One of my friends, Laura Duxter, Duxta, sorry, is here. She's the author of the New York Times bestselling children's book, I Love You More. She also wrote, You Are a Gift to the World, The World is a Gift to You, and I'll Hug You More. Her newest title, No Matter What You Are Loved, will be released in 2024. So exciting. Her books have sold over a million copies in the U.S. and are available internationally in eight languages. Wow. I met Laura when she came to Charleston in June, and what great energy. I knew I had to have her on the show because her story is amazing. And Laura, I want to jump right in because, as you know, I've been waiting for this moment. You've been traveling I've tried every time we recorded and you're so sweet. You're like, can't do it now. I'm over here doing this event. And finally, today worked and I'm so excited you're here to talk about your journey. I want you to tell our listeners how you became a best-selling author, a motivational speaker in our schools, and just everything about your beautiful story. Oh, thank you, Robin. It's so good to be here with you. And yes, finally. Finally. Um, all right. Yes, finally. And I am right as we speak back in Massachusetts where I spent my early years. And at a very young age, when I was about seven or eight years old, I was learning something. It was in Sunday school. And it was just that we're all brothers and sisters. And because of that, we're all meant to love one another. That hate isn't even a given. That we can like or dislike actions or even what people stand for. But that we're meant to love one another. And it didn't matter the race, religion, education, language, where people lived. And I remember wanting to, like, raise my hand up high and, like, go on a, like, a mission of generating or of traveling the world and meeting my brothers and sisters and sharing that message of love. Wow. Now, you, were, you were that? You were seven or eight? I was seven or eight. Wow. And I don't remember it being a voice at that time. I've heard a voice in um, more recent years, you know, really kind of like download messages to me. But I remember so clearly feeling that in my heart. So now one of my, and part of my school program is I really encourage the students and the teachers to listen to their hearts, that we're meant to listen to our heart, that that's where our wisdom comes from and our great, greatest creative ideas and our potential um, dwells in our heart. And then we use our brain. We study, practice, learn, um, connect, and then it's our opportunity and possibly even our obligation to go out and share and shine our gifts and talents and what's important to us in the world. I love that. So, Listen to our hearts. That's so true. Yeah. So, you know, your so, gut feelings and how you're feeling about it. Listen to that and then let your brain do some of the work later. Right, right. Our, our, our wisdom, our, like our own inner GPS is our heart and our, our guidance for what we're meant to do is right there. So... Here I had this idea. I had no idea how it would, you know, happen or come into existence. And shortly after, and what your listeners can't see, is that I have something called alopecia. And at the ages of like 10 and 11, I began losing all my brown wavy hair. It started a small patch, and then it started falling out in clumps just before sixth grade. I can I never get it right if it's fifth or sixth grade. But I was a... a you know, an 11-year-old with a really terrible comb over going into the start of that school year. 
I quickly ended up in October getting a wig because I thought the most important thing to do would be to try to be like everybody else. And it ended up for 19 long years I wore wigs. And that was like really like this like uh, germinating, marinating time for me. It was like my cocoon. I did realize that I was learning lessons about life and empathy and compassion um, for others and for myself, finally, that I would never, never, ever, ever, ever trade for my hair. Um, But, um, and I think that that was part of it. I think I was actually gifted this experience so that I could have a greater awareness of love given this mission and vision that I had as a child. So um, then one night I had the idea for this book. It poured through me. My sister was going through a hard time in her then marriage and was pregnant with her second child. And I found myself praying for her. And I was like, oh, this is strange. I don't really pray like this anymore. Let me add that it was after the opening of a nightclub in Connecticut. (laughs) So I do love to travel and bop around. And I said, this is strange. I don't really pray like this. And something clearly answered me and said, your sister's fine. Pray for your nephew. And I was like, oh, this is even stranger. Not only do I not pray like this, but something just answered me. And as I began praying for my nephew, the idea for this book called I Love You More poured through me. Wow. I had never aspired to be an author, but it was something that I knew I had to bring into the world. It was just so clear that this was, you know, divine guidance, life guidance, Wait, love guiding. Wait, so this is new to me. I mean, I, I remember this, but so you were not set out to write a children's book. Wow. So can I just ask, what what were you doing at the time? What was your career? What did you think you were doing? Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question, Robin. (laughs) I had graduated from the University of Maryland with a degree in sociology, and I decided that my cousin and I decided we would move to South Beach, Miami in the 90s to have fun for three to six months before I went back to get my master's in social work. And six years later, I was still tending bar and managing the Clevelander, one of South Beach's busiest bars and restaurants on Ocean Drive. And my mother jokes that I moved to South Beach and practiced being social instead of using my sociology degree. Oh my degree. gosh, that's so funny. So that now, e- that's even more inspiring that you, I thought you had a career in writing and you, did, you know, were on a mission nope. to write a children's book. Wow. This is a cool story and tie back, and it's so neat because I'm like right back where I where this all happened. When I was in elementary school, <laughs> kindergarten and first grade, I was pure genius and knew it. Me, I remember Norma O'Shaw and Danny O'Gorman sat in the corner and got extra work in our K-1 class while all the other peons played. And I just remember being, you know, like being like the, the smart one. And then I got to second grade with Mrs. Erickson, and I got a P-minus in penmanship and didn't realize that that meant, and still to this day, that I write really messy when I'm not paying attention and to, to being neat. You know, when we used to get graded in writing in cursive. I made that bad grade mean that I was a bad writer. Wow. And I didn't realize until many years later, and after I had the idea for the book and doing some human potential work, I was like, oh my God, I made that bad grade mean that I was a bad writer. And my whole life, I've thought that I was terrible at writing. Even though I would get A's on essay exams and papers, it was a total disconnect. So it's one of the things that I really encourage young people and parents and teachers 
to get, um, you know, when they don't understand something or, or they, I didn't even know I didn't understand it. So, you know, how helpful it can be to, like, go over grades and what they mean and what they don't mean and, um, you know, that we're getting graded so that we know areas where we can improve. I came from a family that didn't talk a lot. And so it was just left up to me, and I made it mean that I was a bad writer. Now, this teacher, the second grade teacher, is still to this day, and I have a very unique last name, D-U-K-S-T-A, and my books have sold over a million copies. She is the teacher who found my book, called me up from Massachusetts, and said, oh, I found your book. I'd love for you to come up and do a fundraiser for the library. I'm like, oh, you better believe I'm coming. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I'm like, you gave, she's like, call me Martha. I'm like, Mrs. Erickson, you gave me a P minus in penmanship. Mrs. Erickson. And she's like, you know, my name isn't Erickson anymore. Like, you gave me a P minus in penmanship, and I made it mean I was a bad writer my whole life. And uh, she said, oh, honey, she's like, I was at her home. She's like, I didn't remember having you. I remembered having your sister. And she pulled out a recipe card that my mom had given her years ago for something that she'd now be making for her grandchildren. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. such a uh, such a cool part of the story and um, how we don't know, you know, maybe that sometimes our voids drive our values. Oh, that's so, good. Uh, perhaps as a young child going through all that I did, I, my mother does not like when I say this, and I know she loved me dearly, but there was a lot going on in a very toxic, uh, my father was a raging alcoholic um, home. So it was hard to feel the love sometimes. And then that writing grade, you know, sometimes the adversity is what propels us in the directions that we end up taking, is what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting, too, that, and there's that. So you, you thought you were a bad writer, and, you know, of course, it's, as a child, that's a fact, right? A teacher said it, so it's a fact. Right. And to have this, like, divine download when your sister was going through what she was going through... And all of a sudden, you have a whole new path. It's just incredible to me that you, as the person who's, quote, a bad writer, gets a message to write a book, take care of your nephew, and you end up being a best-selling author. Like, this is so, this is such an incredible, like, story. So, you woke up the next day, and you wrote a book? I was like, you know, I started telling, I was, I told, I shared, I was at the, you know, um, uh, at the opening of a nightclub, and I woke up, and I was like, oh, I'm going to write a book called I Love You More. I had this idea for a book, and um, I just I talked about it and talked about it. I ended up moving to Connecticut to run that nightclub for a, a, a brief time, but in that summer, I turned 30, and, about, and I was just talking about the book. I wasn't taking action yet, and I had... I was still wearing wigs. I wore wigs for 19 years, including 10 years I wouldn't look at myself in a mirror without a wig on. Aww. From the time I was 11 till the time I was 21, I just thought that there was a monster underneath there. Wow. About two weeks before my 30th birthday and after I had the idea for the book, and I didn't get that they were connected, but now I so do. I was all of a sudden like, I'm not going to wear wigs anymore. I told my friends, throw me a party. We're going to have my coming out party as the bald chick. I wasn't so bold and clear about it then, but that's what it became to, came to be known as. And I, I went, I took my wig off, and it was there was a bit of an adjustment period, but it was like, wow. It was like freedom, uh, flow. Uh, ease. I didn't realize how consumed my thoughts were with having worn the wig. So I really get that that book was written for my nephew, and then it was written for me. Um, and 
I read a book called The Untethered Soul where he talks about liberation, and I was like, oh, that's the feeling. I feel like I just liberated myself from all of this story that I had made wearing a wig mean. And then I worked on it, worked on the book. Um, I won't go into that whole story. It's fun and a big part of my school program, the editorial process, that our best work, even when it pours through us like that, is very rarely one and done. It was very specifically written for my nephew, and I knew there needed to be changes. Then my mother got a hold of it, and she was a kindergarten teacher for 38 and a half years, and she had an incredible suggestion. And my sister had the suggestion to make the book a flip book. So my, my three books that are published right now all begin from both sides and read to the middle. And we didn't know how beautiful that was going to be in that it represents the infinite nature of love and the giving and receiving of love. I love that. And I have it right here with me. I brought it with me. You gave me a book in June that I just adore. And um, it means so much to me. You wrote such a beautiful um, message at the beginning and, you know, keep shining. Your love is just your, even just your exclamation points have happy faces and stars. Like it's just, your energy is so beautiful. And you're right. Reading from the front and then flipping it and starting from the back and reading it, it's just such an interesting way to, like you said, make your books full circle and feel just so like warm and cozy when you read it. And it feels like a hug, right? You're yes. Receiving, wrapping the love around us. Oh, and then and I, you know, none, none of this happened on purpose, but I feel like when you, I like to say, follow the breadcrumbs, life will lead you where you're meant to be. So, Gosh, I had the idea for the book in November of 97. I turned 30 in the summer of 98. Oh, what am I saying? That's so not right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh, yes, that's how long my book has been out for. <laughs> that's how old <laughs> <Time> I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confusing myself. I'm like, whoa. Uh, and then it wasn't ready to go to print. We, decided, we had sent it out to a handful of publishers and a handful of agents and got the same amount of no's. And I got on a phone call with somebody who said, you have all this enthusiasm and energy. And we had a great endorsement from Mark Victor Hansen from Chicken Soup for the Soul. He's like, you really need to self-publish. And as a bartender, I really didn't know what those words, I didn't know what self-publishing was. I'd really never heard of it. And he said, you'll need $10,000 and, you know, get these two books. And wow. here's the name of a printer in China. And but we decided to self-publish the book. We um, got it laid out properly and ended up sending the book to print on September 10th, 2001. Oh, my gosh. The day before the 11th. Wow. And at 9 a.m. on the 11th, I had a phone call with my coach at the time. And so a little after 9, you know, not knowing that anything was happening in the world, a little after 9 o'clock, her husband said, something's going on. I think you need to get off the phone. My sister's like, something's happening. And my coach very clearly said, there's nothing happening that's more important than this book right now. Not knowing what was going on in the world, but really our world was being plagued with so much fear that the only answer to that always has been and always will be love. And so our book, yeah, was flying to Hong Kong. The, the illustrations were flying to Hong Kong on 9-10 and 9-11, and we got a notice, you know, you're uh, package your FedEx package has been grounded in Alaska. We'll let you know when it makes it there. And then standing in those days, we said, "Are we going to go through with this?" Um, it was myself, the illustrator, and my mom, a kindergarten teacher who had 
finance to the project. And we said, well, now more than ever, the world will need our book and its message of love. So I've really come to know that the book was written so that we all know, no matter what's going on in our life, like my sister, in our heads, or in my case, and so in our thoughts, or in my case with my alopecia, or in the world, how truly loved we are beyond measure. This is, wow, to, uh, there's so much here, right? We need a, a longer show. Um, it's just amazing your book was in the air when so much negative energy was in the air and that your message is about love and like all of this is so incredible and how great that you did move forward with it because it is a best-selling book and you now speak at schools. You're an inspiration to students when you go to schools and tell your story and A lot of our listeners are teachers, so can you talk about what you do in schools and how they can get in touch with you to have you come talk to their students? Yeah, I, um, you know, my mom was a teacher for so many years, so I think I got part of the gene because people are like, are you a teacher? (laughs) Um, I love being in front of audiences of all ages, which isn't always the case for people. Um, But I have a program, and it's called You Are a Star, Keep Shining, or Empowering You to Shine. And it has a like four or five um, distinct um, areas. And the first thing is I share about my bald head. <laughs> I show up and, you know, the five-year-olds are like, hey, lady, you've got no hair. I'm like, I know we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, you got to the love their people. curiosity, right? Yes. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm, you know, i enthusiastic and energetic about it and not, and I'm so, I'm so okay with it now. I've, I've kind of been the bald chick now for 25 years and uh, I've really embraced this big challenge, but I had the opportunity to talk to them about the power of being yourself and how that's what always works best. And for so many years, I didn't believe that or think that, and then I gave it a shot. And we had that conversation first, and then I tell them, even if you think for you know a moment or for a, a minute that it's odd that I don't have any hair, I have a feeling by the end of our 45 minutes or hour together, you're going to think I'm being just the way that I'm meant to be. And the response that I get from the students is incredible. You know, you're so beautiful without hair. You don't, one, one student recently told me, I just want you to know you just made 200 new friends. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and sometimes it's the students that are going through the biggest challenges that have never said a word in front of their classmates who raise their hand in an assembly and share. And you see the, the principal and the teachers tearing up, and they're like, you know. Um, so it's, it's a, it creates a really special space. And then I share, of course, about my book and its message. I have that original piece of paper that I wrote down the idea for I Love You More on, and I share a you know, copy of that and show them that our best work is very rarely one and done and what that um, experience is like as an author, it's a lot of writing, revise, edit, or writing, edit, revise, (laughs) writing, edit, revise. And then I talk to them about the power of our word and how important it is, how we speak to ourselves and one another, and why we resonate so incredibly with the work that you're doing, because enthusiasm is a key ingredient to anything that we want to have happen in the world, including just how we want our day to go. You know, you can get up and be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this again, or you can get out of bed and be like, life's a game, let's play it. Yes, all (laughs) Um, in. And then I have cheers, a genius cheer and an eye shine cheer that I I share with the students, and it's just a really 
awesome time together. And all that information is on my website. And what is your website? Is my name, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Duxta. It's duck without the C and star without the R. So D-U-K-S-T-A. That's a great way to say it. Um, Something you just said, like sharing the work on, you know, the 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 messiness of writing you know you're showing them that you wrote it you know you hear sometimes people created a business on a napkin right like they had a conversation and they built an empire on a napkin in a in a restaurant and i love that you're showing them that your book like it's not a formal process you wrote it you you had to get your thoughts out and then the whole edit and revise it's so important for kids because so many do want to be perfect they want to be the one with the A, um, and your message is so powerful that it doesn't matter what someone else thinks of your work, even if it's a teacher. It doesn't matter. If you know in your heart you're meant to be a writer, you're a writer, and there's no prescribed method for writing. You can write on, you know, with sidewalk chalk if you want. So, you're, you know, you've lived it, which is so beautiful because you can tell the story through your lens, which is you were them and you experienced this and here you are a best-selling author. Like it can happen to you. I have a question to kind of go back to something you said earlier because I'm, I wanted to ask this and then I forgot. So it popped back in my head. Yeah. You were in the bar and you were working and you were, um, Mark Victor Hansen said you should self-publish. Did you know him already or was he just sitting at the bar giving you advice? <laughs> no, I talk fast. So let's clear that story up. I got on a phone call with someone who called himself the book coach. He's no longer here physically with us, Jim Donovan. And he said, it was actually somebody that my, the coach that I was working with at a time, I'm a big, um, you know, believer in, in coaches. And this gentleman, I had already received an endorsement from Mark Victor Hansen, um, a mentor that I was working with knew him. And this mentor that I was working with said, nobody really knows who I am, um, though he was one of the teachers in The Secret, the movie The Secret. I don't know if that had come out yeah, yet. Yeah, okay. Yes, maybe it had. But he said, you know, I'm friends with Mark Victor Hansen. Let's get this book to him because everybody needs to read it. Um, so I love Mark it. Okay. has given us a beautiful endorsement. And this gentleman said, you know, you have all this enthusiasm, a great idea, you have an incredible endorsement, um, you know, you have you have what you need to self-publish this book and bring it into the world. Great advice. So, and you had Wayne yeah. Dyer and Jack Canfield? Well, Jack Canfield's part of Chicken Soup, right? So, yeah, but that was a different endorsement, and okay. it was really great to get it. We were at Book Expo um, at the Javits Center in New York City, and um, it was really fun. A friend of ours uh, who came to work with me for a little while, who actually was living in Hilton Head, he knew the person that did the poster campaigns in New York City. So here are myself and the illustrator. We knew each other from our days of bartending together. We called ourselves Hippie and the Ball Chick. We self-published <laughs> this book, and the poster company gave us the entire wall of like movie-sized posters of our book cover at the Javits Center oh during Book gosh. Expo. Wow. People are like, who? Like, guerrilla marketing. Seriously. Marketing to the nth degree. Wow. <laughs> people were like, who are these girls? And Jack Canfield, we gifted him a book. He and his wife were there doing a signing, and so we got in line, gifted him a book. I told him that we had already, you know, we had a, well, actually, there was an endorsement from Mark Victor Hansen across the front, and 
the next day I saw him and he said, the, my wife called our youngest child last night and read your book over the phone and the conversation it sparked was magical. And uh-huh. those words were ringing in my ears. So I got home and I sent his office an email and I said, you know, can I use these words as a, a testimonial from Jack? And his office said, Jack's not giving endorsements anymore, but let me check. And they got back and said, yes. Wow. It's just, you're such a testament to do it. Go for it. Go big, go bold. Get yourself out there. Make it happen. Yeah. And I'm always talking to myself with that, right? Because then the next thing comes along and it's like, oh, you know, like there's, you know, we all come up against walls or challenges or can I do this? And it's a reminder to me sharing this story to be like, yes, you know, take the next step. step I was in a... um, I was in a first grade classroom yesterday, actually posted this on Instagram this morning and the posters in the room were like, believe and you can do it and make today great. And it's like, even in kindergarten and first grade, our teachers were giving us inspirational messages at that young age. You know, we have to go back to like, what's that book? All I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Like we do need to be inspired and remind ourselves that we have to make things happen, right? Nobody's going to knock on the Well, sometimes people knock on the door and give you everything you've wanted, but usually we have to do something to make it happen. And it's not always a big thing. Sometimes it's just little steps like you showing up at the Javits Center, you getting in line to get a book signed and to give a book. Like you've got to make those efforts, like those small shifts every day that are going to take you to whole new places. And you do that. So well said. I I had this aha this morning. You know when our energy matters in this moment. Like this morning, I got up and I took a walk at sunrise, but I didn't jump out of bed. And I like like for a moment, I was like I was starting to make myself wrong about that. Like, oh, why did I hesitate to get out of bed? Okay, you know what? That moment's over. The moment that's right in front of us is this one right here, right now. And I was at a preschool yesterday, and one of the signs that they had was belief in yourself. I written love out, it. I think, in, well, written out, and then with, like, fall leaves uh-huh. all around it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I so love this place. true. <laughs> it's called the magical years. Um, so, yes, just um, you're never too young to start to spark that creativity and... Oh, and, and inspiration and awesomeness in and our young, in our youth. I want our listeners alive. to follow you uh, too. Your Instagram, Facebook is so joyful. You you have so much energy. You're with kids. You're at events. You're with families. You're just doing so many daily inspirational things and posts. So um, we can find that on your website. And do you want to share any social media? We have about 30 seconds. Yeah, you can find it on my website, but also my Instagram is Laura underscore Duxta underscore author. And I do more on my um, regular page on Facebook and feel free to follow me and find me there, Laura Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Robin underscore Berlinski for lots of prizes. And if you're listening on the radio, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, and more. If you're a nonprofit, reach out for the latest updates and freebies to move your nonprofit from scarcity to abundance. And that's it for Energy Matters with Robin Berlinski.